Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. everybody welcome to the SB Nation NFL show welcome specifically to Monday football Monday today is Monday January 23rd 2023 the Monday following the divisional round of the playoffs there is a final four set in the NFL we have a lot to get to four games to talk about four winners uh, and of course two upcoming games and then the ultimate game but um, we do understand here at the SB Nation NFL show that you may or may not have seen news floating around as the weekend began before divisional weekend um, and there's no good or, or comfortable way to say it. It's a very awkward time for some of us here at SB Nation, a very difficult time. Um, Rob Statsquare is a, a great friend of ours and um, somebody who we love very dearly. And obviously, we did not have an episode last Friday. We don't know um, exactly what things will be like moving forward. Uh, we don't know a lot of things. What we do know um, is, um, is we love the people uh, that are here right now, and we're going to try to talk about football as best as we can. So um, apologies if that was awkward, but um, we're trying to get through it all together. My name is RJ Ochoa. Uh, the fantastic Rachel Prevet, as always, is on the ones and twos with me here in the co-pilot seat, as he always is, the one and only Pete Sweeney. Pete, happy Monday after Divisional Weekend to you, Mike. Yep. Uh, div- divisional Weekend's in the books. We are are headed straight for, for conference championship Sunday, and you know I think there there's a lot to, to be excited about uh about to, to talk about in the nfl really briefly on 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 stats and I, I know that we're we're keeping it brief here but uh it's gonna suck to not work with them anymore but over my 10 years i i've never had the opportunity to work with someone who was as passionate uh, as hardworking. and i think a lot of these times when you know someone parts with a company it feels a little you know like like you know this is the end and it's a really sad thing but uh for me uh the sad part is us not being able to work with him anymore if you if you see uh he's easy to access on twitter uh, a lot of people i think in that situation maybe would have shut it down for the year um but the 49ers are still alive he's still spewing his takes they're they're easily findable and uh i think the 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 bumming part for us is we won't uh, get to have that guy on our team anymore and uh you know what of course we wish him luck we're going to stay in touch uh but uh yeah we're going to try our best to to carry on with the SB Nation NFL show and I I think that's that's what the the people want want to hear they want to hear us talk about these four teams yeah I think that's really well said um and again full disclosure for the audience we don't know I don't know uh what's going to happen to the show stats was a part of here um you said it really well Pete stats is is the most talented person I've ever worked with no offense to, to anybody else here um and and certainly the most driven um, I've always been so jealous of how good he is at all of this. And so um, I, I'll root for stats always, um, you know, how, however, that kind of winds up being the case. I'm super bummed that stats has, um, you know, a lot to be pumped about, obviously, uh, today. Um, as a reminder, as we kind of fully set the table um, in the way we're, we're you know, sort of stumbling through here on the SB Nation NFL show. A reminder that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And and Pete, again, like kind of in the spirit of what we're talking about, I love the people I work with. I'm I'm just I love my life in this sense. I I love stats. I love you. I love Rachel. And I love our third leg here on the SB Nation NFL show on Monday, Football Monday, as we get set for the conference cha- uh, conference championships and the Super Bowl. Because, Pete, you might be busy. We don't know what's going to happen. Your team, five straight AFC championship games at home. You know, you, you kinda, you're, you're used to this time of year being a little bit busy. So we want to divvy up the workload a little bit uh, in an effort to do that. Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit is going to be hanging out with us for a while. Jeremy, welcome to Monday, Football Monday. Um, the first words I want to say to you, I love you, because I do. I love you very much, Jeremy. <laughs> Oh, thanks, RJ. Appreciate it. It's honestly an honor to to be here during the playoffs because it's it's one of the most fun times to talk about uh, football right now. And 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 really, I think we might be down to our the best four teams in the NFL, which doesn't always happen in the playoffs. 
Um, so some exciting things to talk about from last weekend and, and next weekend should be really, really fun too. So Jeremy, you run our Detroit Lions site, Pride of Detroit. You can be found on Twitter at Detroit on Lion. Um, we're about to kind of dive deep into the four games that we saw. Um, your first word, just one word to describe what you saw over the course of the weekend. Uh, oh man. Um, separation, mm. I would say. Um, because I do feel like we, we kind of saw some teams that maybe didn't deserve to be in the divisional round wow. uh, get get booted. Uh, not, not pointing fingers here, okay. but uh, but it, it does, like I said, it does feel like the best four teams kind of made it to uh, to these, these semifinals at this point. So um, separation, that's, that's what I'll go with. That's well said. And I say this um, in full respect to our guests. It took me a little while to come around on the Bengals. I didn't know what to make of last year's playoff. And I kind of thought it was a little bit of a Cinderella thing. I, you know, the 0-2 start was really tough. But holy crap, all credit in the world to Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, specifically Zach Taylor. I don't know how Zach Taylor is flying so low under the radar from Cincy Jungle. John Sheeran is here to talk about the once again AFC Championship game bound Cincinnati Bengals. John, congratulations to the Who Day crowd uh, the new america's team why not at this point who cares about the stupid title <laughs> wow. Welcome, oh John. oh holy crap yeah i I remember coming on here like before week two or, or whatnot or maybe after week two and oh is is everyone alan zach taylor now well now he's on a bar stool at midnight off of a playoff win leading who day chance at the game ball for a local bar so a lot can change in four months um what was the what was the most satisfying part about sunday john was it kind of proving that last year wasn't a fluke? Was it, uh, Jeremy used the word separation. I think there's a very clear separation between um, the top of the AFC hierarchy. It's it's the Chiefs and the Bengals, and and then there's a gap. There's very clearly a gap before the Bills, whether the Mafia wants to admit it or not. Like, what what was your biggest takeaway from a satisfaction standpoint? Well, I mean, the, the Bengals proved that they were the more complete team, 100%. Going into that environment with those elements if you had told me that joe burrow had a clean game two touchdowns 240 yards or whatever like i would have expected that that's fine if you had told me that the Bengals defense came up with a good plan to limit the bills offense and what they do well like i would have expected as well if you had told me that the Bengals team who can't who didn't really rush rush the ball very well to end the season even with a full starting five offensive linemen with three reserve offensive linemen figuring out the concepts and the schemes to work best with these three new pieces to put up 172 rushing yards against, albeit not a great run defense for the Bills, but still the fact that they couldn't do it, they ran to a literal wall to end the season in, in that regard in their offense, to pull out that great of a game running the ball and to have this complete complimentary football aspect with it, it completely shocked me, and I think it shocked a lot of people with the Bengals, and it turned that game into what probably should have been a one-score game into a three-score game, and they just blew the doors off the Bills for 60 minutes. The quote that's going around right now is Joe Burrow and how Chiefs fans and, and Bills fans are going to have to get their refunds from the Atlanta game. And uh, just another chapter of Joe Cool in the NFL. How much of a, a motivating factor maybe was it you think for Cincinnati with everyone just assuming, hey, you're going to have these two two teams and a neutral site in Atlanta, not even thinking about the Bengals or really any any seed, um, you know, what would be three through seven? Yeah, I think. Like there was the whole discussion about the coin flip or the coin toss yeah. possibility at, at the beginning of the playoffs, and then there was the neutral side aspect, and we can we can dive into that for hours, but we don't have to. I think it was, the main thing was that the NFL like released the press release about like the fifty thousand tickets sold for that potential neutral site game, and the fact that the tickets were four times more expensive than any of the other presale options, and the NFL clearly wouldn't hate the fact that you know they can make all that <laughs> money based off of something that they probably want to go to in the near future here. So the fact that it was like pushed like that it made it more of a motivating factor compared to the fact that you know there's three other pre-sale options that are available there, there was a pre-sale option for a Bengals home game in the AFC championship should if Jacksonville had beaten Kansas City like that was a possibility but obviously like that wasn't being pushed by the NFL in that regard so the Bengals just have leveraged every single possibility or every single minor or major slight against them into just an extra motivating factor and they've just majored than that for the past two years now and this was just the latest example Jeremy, I know you're, you're going to ask the, the next question, but I love that in a way like the NFL wanted a certain thing and the Bengals prevented them from getting that it reminds me of Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon in the, <laughs> the 90s and 2000s. Like, oh, we want this for the corporation, the NFL. And here you have this renegade that's ruining all, all the NFL plans. But anyway, Jeremy, I'll throw it to you. Well, yeah, I want to I want to go back to what RJ said about, um, you know, making making sure like this is this is a real Bengals. Last year wasn't a fluke. Um, 
we don't see a lot of quick turnarounds in the NFL, at least not ones that last a long time. So I, I guess is the timeline of how quickly this team turned into a powerhouse in the AFC surprising to you at all? Yes and no. I think like there were obviously major questions about not only Zach Taylor, but Lou Narumo and just the legitimacy of both of them as coaches after the 2020 season. Obviously, Burrow going down to finish that season wasn't ideal, but you didn't have a great idea about what either one did well as a offensive and defensive play caller. So the fact that they were able to just acquire all these pieces personnel wise in basically two or three off seasons hit on most, if not all of their major important draft picks. Now we have Jackson Carmen, who's looking like a capable left tackle after he was labeled as a major bust for a second round pick. Like they haven't really missed in rebuilding this thing. And that's what's made it turn around so quickly, but also the fact that all these personnel pieces fit perfectly with what the coaches want to do and the fact that the coaches have managed and kind of adjusted the, their schemes and what they want to do to the personnel that they have fit despite some injuries and whatnot. It's definitely accelerated it. But when you have that guy in court at quarterback in Joe Burrow and you've developed these weapons, these homegrown weapons from these draft picks with the same coaching staff for four years, it definitely makes it easier to accelerate the process. John, is there a... Um... I don't want to say like a relaxing sort of disposition, but um, I say this as somebody whose team got bounced in the division around again, like it is such a high pressure situation when the Cowboys in the division around. Cause right. Like it, they ha they can't get past it. Right. So is this like naturally, you know, high intensity associated with that? Is there like a, a piece to like, you know, it's, it, this isn't like the Cinderella run that was happening. And again, like the Cinderella part of this has been disproven as we've talked about here, but like, this team has been this specific team has been here before like it's not the what was the the tweet the Bengals sent out last year after the Raiders when was it send a text message right because like the Bengals had not had a, a playoff win in the era of texting or something like that like all of those things are gone like this is now just normal like is there a a, a calming effect to that in your mind I, th I think so like after every playoff win there's just an extra ounce of confidence that gets added to the equation like you know Burrow said after the Raiders win like this is like the standard now like obviously it it's a monumental win in the history and the lore of the city and the franchise and everything but you know he came into the league being a champion in college and like that was his you know whether or not it's outlandish from the beginning or whatnot that was like the expectation for him to come in and to, and to completely change the franchise for the better so from that moment like when they beat the Raiders like they established the confidence in themselves that, that they can handle the, these stages and they certainly have proven everyone right in that sense I guess when you think back to this it was connecting burrow with jamar chase as you think back how important was that that decision to go with this one-two punch in what has been a really quick as jeremy sort of alluded to trajectory for this team into the deal into the elite well it, it's it helps when you have two bona fide and like number one receivers out there on the boundary it just makes the whole offense kind of go and like god i still remember the debates about him yeah. versus Panay sewell and i feel like yep. so Sewell is a phenomenal player, phenomenal left tackle. The Bengals, at, at that point in their offseason, like they they needed that explosive weapon at receiver. T. Higgins was, was coming off a very solid rookie season, and he's developed very nicely, but you weren't sure how quickly and how you know strongly he was going to develop into a vertical threat. Chase's presence has really just opened up the offense. Obviously, we saw it last year with all the deep shots, and now they've kind of evolved his role into more of an intermediary, intermediary under underneath kind of a, a kind of option as defenses have adjusted it just really makes the offense completely multi-dimensional and obviously the chemistry factor matters as well like having that history with him and burrow going back to 2018 it definitely doesn't hurt but like he was so needed to make this offense take the next step and now you're seeing him break you know 20 tackles a game as his underneath option while still having that explosion and verticality aspect to his game not to, to look too far ahead, but obviously next week now we got an AFC rematch in the, in the championship game. Uh, what What's different about this Bengals team, obviously, other than the fact that they're not considered as, as much of an underdog as they were last year? Well, I think we still need to see more of a sample size with this offense line and how they can hold up in pass protection. They did a great job against the Bills, but obviously the Bills, they've been such a much um, less effective uh, pass rushing unit ever since Von Miller went down, right? You had Greg Rousseau as a power rusher, and, and he had a couple of wins against Kima Denji, but Shaq Loss and AJ Ebenezer, they didn't really give Jackson Carmen that much of a challenge. You had, I think, injuries along the interior of the Bills' defensive uh, defensive line. So you have Ted Karras now is playing on maybe a bad knee entering this game, and, and that, that's something to monitor. That would be the fourth injury that this Bengals offensive line has suffered. So Frank Clark, Chris Jones, really good pass rushers. It's going to be tough to keep them off of Burrow for this entire game, but Burrow has done a great job of 
not turning those pressures into sacks. And that was a huge problem for him last year. And it led to that nine sack game against the Titans that they somehow managed to overcome. So he's doing a good job of getting out of the pocket and getting the ball out quicker. This Bengals offensive line now hopefully has more cohesion now in their second game, starting with this specific five. So just that, the fact that you don't have now 20 or 30 pressures allowed in a single game, it allows for more consistent and sustainable offense and with a defense that continues to prove itself against these top quarterbacks like Luna Rumo and his, and his mad scientist ways like he just managed to take away your best playmakers if not for the entire game for the moments that matter so all those things clicking just makes a more complete team John Sheeran from Cincy Jungle thank you so much for joining us here on Monday Football Monday I'm rooting for you I hope the Bengals win the Super Bowl so um if that means anything I mean at least you have that <laughs> thanks guys <laughs> Yeah, I don't Thanks know if so we. Much. I don't know if we necessarily need to go in in that direction this early on a on a Monday. I think we do. Um, I think we do. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm in high, a high level sort of coping situation, so I need to go whatever direction I need to go in. Um, we need to talk about the Bills side of this. Obviously, there were only four games. That is yeah. a luxury that it gives us the opportunity that uh, for that. Jeremy, uh, I want to go to you first because Pete and I were very critical of Josh Allen last week. Um, this is the SB Nation NFL show, so a bit of a national thing. Sure. Uh, but it does feel like on a national level. Um, Josh, and I, obviously I'm a little bit jaded as a Dak Prescott supporter, but like Josh Allen is, is not going to catch heat for this the same way he didn't catch heat for the three turnovers last week, the same way he didn't catch heat for all the turnovers all season long. You're probably right, but he deserves plenty. Um, he was not good in this game and, and, you know, his offensive line didn't do him a ton of favors. There, there wasn't a running game to help him much at all, but that's something that usually kind of he spurs. Like he wasn't much of an offensive threat running ball or passing ball. He wasn't very accurate in this game. And, it, you know, he's still an elite quarterback in this league and and, and much of the reason why they were, were where they were in, in the playoffs. But, yeah, I, I think this was not his best performance. And now, you know, last year's playoff exit was was kind of fluky with the, the crazy overtime game and all that sort of stuff. Um, but this one, I think, is more directly on him. And so um, he's going to have to, you know answer some questions for himself, but, but you're right. I think, I think he's reached kind of an untouchable level right now. And maybe if, you know, years upon years and he still hasn't reached an AFC championship game and, and, and or a Super Bowl, maybe then some of that criticism that, that someone like Dak gets uh, will, will creep in. But, but yeah, I think, I think it's still early enough in his season where uh, the stuff that he does before, I guess the divisional round uh, kind of carries his, his, uh, his reputation right now. Josh Allen is not a top five quarterback in the NFL. Hey, Whoa. Oof. Okay. Oof. That's, that's a little, who, who are the five then who are, who are five ahead of him? Mahomes, Burrow, I understand. Patrick Mahomes and, and, and Joe Burrow. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. And then, you know, you you can, in my opinion, make a case for Trevor Lawrence. And, and I would even go as far as to say that I would take Herbert. I understand it, it's been disappointing for him, too. But and I put a lot of that on, on the coaching. Uh, this is someone who has had a, a coach in, in place and a, and a consistent staff. And, and you have felt good about it. Uh, in Buffalo. Now, I don't know if that necessarily means Allen can't work his way back up to that. Uh, you also have other quarterbacks in the league like like a Dak, like a Lamar when they're healthy. And I just think in the grand consensus of things, it's hard to put him in that mix. And I said this, look, I got the NFC this weekend really wrong. I thought the Giants would cover and I thought the Cowboys would win. That was very wrong. I got the AFC right in the preseason. I said, why are the Buffalo Bills the Super Bowl favorite? After they can't win anything, Josh Allen has. I saw y'all's petty little retweet, by the way, at Arrowhead Prime. Time and time so. again, petty little <laughs> retweet. One person picking the Chiefs. Everyone's saying that the AFC West is going to go another way. And I was mad not only for Kansas City, and I said this, RJ, you know, I said this over and over again. I'm mad for Cincinnati. Why does Cincinnati, who went to the Super Bowl, who beat the team that the that was beaten by that the Bill that that beat the Bills, why are they? Why are they not? getting any kind of respect at all we, we i was wondering i was wondering you know the bills have shown year after year after year after year they cannot win the big game josh allen cannot win the big game he doesn't have the poise to do it patrick mahomes has patrick mahomes won a title joe burrow whoops mahomes every time but these two teams were behind the bills why and who's left when you get to, to championship sunday and and for me this is a a situation where you know i think you're right rj there are quarterbacks now that that are getting criticism. You know, sometimes Lamar got a little bit of that. Dak certainly right. gets a little bit of that. It's time for Josh Allen. Kirk, it's time for Josh Allen to enter that fold of, you should, uh, should have some real questions about whether or not this guy, who is uber talented, can lead you to a championship because every piece of evidence in the playoffs has shown you that he cannot. And I, I think we need to start having that discussion. 
so first of all, um, Petty Little Retweet sounds like an all-American reject song. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought about that uh, while we were talking here. Um, Jeremy, I've been like, kind of baking this this take for a little while. Sure. Um, we all agree that Josh Allen was remarkable in the divisional loss a year ago to Kansas City. I think that everybody assumed – like that was him at Nirvana. That was him at, at, at the peak of his powers. And everybody assumed that was who he was all of the time. And, and he got that benefit of the doubt – because this guy, this turnover prone dude, um, I don't want to say was always there, but he wasn't not all, you know, not not always there. You know what I mean? Like this is yeah. the Josh Allen experience, and people kind of conveniently have overlooked that because, like, I feel like the so, sometimes if you can't win the Super Bowl, you want to lose in devastating fashion, like because you become a martyr, you become a legend in that sense. Des caught it, like believe me, I I understand that more than anybody else, um, and I think that's what happened to Josh Allen. I, I think it's that mystique. One one team can win a year, and you have a lot of different. Uh, disappointed teams every year, right? 31 teams are disappointed to an extent. And I think part of the the favor of Allen is that he plays for such a lovable fan base. I love the Buffalo fan base. Like, I, it's it's amazing. I mean, they are so passionate about their team. Uh, Jeremy, in Detroit, you know, I would say the same thing. And that's why it's so easy to like these teams because they haven't been able to have that success. And I think playing for Buffalo gives Allen a little bit of an out, in my, my opinion, Jeremy. I don't know if you, you'd agree with that, like from that Detroit standpoint as well. Is he frozen? I think Jeremy froze for a second. <laughs> either that, either that, or he's like, act, he's really upset. Um, about I was like, was I was it? like, man, I really made a a, a yeah. point there. That that I think that Jeremy, did them. you are you did you stabilize with this, Jeremy? Are you back now? I think so. Yeah. Are you, yeah. You, there we go. Okay. We got you. I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I was going to add is that I do feel like the the playoff sample size is still relatively low for for Josh Allen. I mean, it's been what three or four playoff appearances at this point, and and I understand like that some people only get that right. You, um, but it, but the Bills are going to be around for a while. He'll have he'll have ch- time to change that narrative. But Josh Allen was not very good down the stretch. No, um, mm-hmm. e- even even going back to the regular season, um, he, the turnovers were, were definitely an issue all season. And so yeah, I think I think that and turnovers are, are really going to be the difference between um, you know uh, some of these mediocre teams and some of these elite teams when you get into the playoffs. You can get away with it. Uh, against some lesser teams in the regular season but once you get to the playoffs you need to play a really really clean game and, and josh allen like you said hasn't really proven that he can do that consistently you know if you're looking for for some kind of i think excuse in a way not excuses i guess is the wrong term but just what happened during the year that would make you think okay well maybe he wasn't right he really didn't look like the same quarterback after that elbow issue mid-season it kind of looked like he was trudging along and then you know, oh, we're, we're getting that three thousand word story in the offseason like that that's coming from someone just <laughs> so you're aware yeah um, some kind of elbow I, issue or something yes i agree my last take on the on the bills is i think sometimes in some nfl seasons there are teams who act like they won the super bowl like in October and, and who act like, like it, it was theirs. Like, and you can call it like a little bit of entitlement. And we kind of saw that from the bills. Like, and, and you, you kind of see that ripple into the fans. Like uh, Pete, I think the chiefs had that, you know, following the title season, right? Like this, this is ours. And how dare you assume that we're not going to win the super bowl. And the bills kind of yes. had that, uh, which was a very, very far stretch from the like lovable plucky underdog that's smashing into tables, whatever. Um, a lot of, you know, looking in the mirror that, that the Bills are going to have to do this offseason, I think. And obviously they dealt with the DeMar Hamlin um, situation, which really kind of rocked everything. And I think everyone's willing to understand that. But um, kudos to the Bengals. Um, Jeremy, where do you want to go next? Pick one of the other three games. Uh, I'll spare you and let's uh, let's let's go. Uh, let's go Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, crushed. I don't know if that's really sparing you. I mean, but. yeah, I mean, um, so like I do kind of think the Eagles had that same like energy, right? Like this is our Super Bowl. This is our title. And I do think that the Hurts, you know, injury near the end kind of humbled them. And we saw the hunger sort of reawaken on Saturday night. Uh, Pete, I'm with you. I, I'll think I think the general take was like, oh, man, I'm picking the Eagles, but I love the points in this game. Just nothing, like nothing, absolutely nothing from the Giants. I have no idea why Brian Dable punted at the very end of this game. Like it was such a cowardly kind of overall performance, Jeremy. It felt like this was the Giants getting exposed for the frauds that a lot of people thought they were all season long. Yeah, I think that's exactly what the what this was, and and you know people are starting to get uh, excited about their quarterback situation. But then you look back last week, and well, they, he played the Vikings, um, Daniel mm-hmm. Jones, uh, like every other quarterback that played that Minnesota Vikings defense this year, looked really good. And then when you come and, and play a, a legitimate defense in, in the Eagles, uh, it all kind of falls apart there. And yeah, I, I, I as as a 
fan of a team who beat the Giants on the road. Uh, I, I kind of had a, a feeling that that they were frauds all along. And and listen, they're, they're in a good situation for the future. I don't want to I don't want to take that away from them. They're, they're a young team. They've got a bunch of young contributors on both sides of the ball there, but it just wasn't their time yet. Like, like I said, this is this is the separation here where the Eagles are just a far better team with a far better roster. And no matter what Brian Diebel would have done in that game. And, and certainly uh, it would have been nice to see him down three scores, maybe not punt the ball late in the game, but uh, that probably wouldn't have made much of a difference. Probably wouldn't have made much of a difference in getting those points either. So yeah, this was just kind of a dominant performance by a team that was clearly much better than the other one. You had two teams in this divisional round that should be overjoyed that they were even there. Uh, they weren't supposed to be. It was Jacksonville and, and New York. And New York was, in, in a way, a, a year ahead into to what they were building. I, I think Brian Dable did a fantastic job to even get them a playoff victory. And so you, know, you have the Jags, you have the Giants. They're playing with house money to an extent, and they're just not in the same class as the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, they're just not right now as far as a complete team when you know you get steamrolled and it's a 28 to nothing lead. You're getting a 28 hole. 28 to zero hole in the playoffs. I mean, I know we've seen some crazy things this year, but you're probably going to lose that football game. And they were able to get the the first score of the second half. But by then, it, it wasn't even really a game. It just was such a dominant performance early. And you're seeing why this is going to be a great Sunday uh, of football. You know, the Eagles are, are one of these four teams that, you know, you, you, you look at all these four teams that I think the theme is they're pretty complete. I mean, each team is, is pretty complete that's left. And so, Man, and, and this is what this is what you want when you get to, to conference championship Sunday. There's going to be two very good teams that lose on, on Sunday are not going to get to play in the Super Bowl. Like there, there really is no, I guess, Cinderella in the standpoint. I guess if you want to sell me the 49ers because they're they're dealing with with Mr. Irrelevant at, at quarterback, maybe that. But as far as just the rest of that team, it's again so so complete. And I think you saw a team that is building and is on step two, step one or step two, maybe a year ahead in, in the Giants. We'll see what they do with Daniel Jones and, and Saquon Barkley. But the Eagles are ready to win the title right now. And, uh, you know, a lot of that is is Hurts and, and how he played and certainly this defense. Um, this will shock both of you, uh, but there were some Cowboys fans who weren't like super impressed with Jalen Hurts' performance. Um, just, you know, like kind of a ho-hum 154 yards, right? Like it, it wasn't like a, a game that like, demanded like the the most Jalen Hurtsy game of all time uh but I think that speaks to their roster right like and, yeah. and that speaks to just who they are right like they they don't have to have and you know that that separates them from a lot of teams I mean Jeremy you know that like sometimes it feels like you have to live in the hysteria like your team does and everyone has to have their a plus game for you to win that and, and I'm not even saying that Jalen didn't have an a plus game but like it, it wasn't necessary I mean like right. it was just complete and total domination it is so utterly annoying how every little thing they do looks to be genius. Like Giants cut James Bradbury, boom, we're gonna pick him up, boom, he's gonna have an interception in this game. Like <laughs> it is, it is so annoying. And every, I mean, that's just the that's the only one I can come up with as a Cowboys fan. Um, they won thirty eight to seven on the five year anniversary of beating the Minnesota Vikings thirty eight to seven. Granted, that was the NFC Championship game at the time. The Houston Astros were reigning World Series champions. Like I, I would argue, and I will talk about this with Brandon on the mixtape this week. Jeremy, that the vibes are maybe the most strong with the Eagles of any of the four remaining teams. Like the Eagles kind of have the, the most positive energy their way, which again is incredibly annoying to admit. Yeah, but it, it, it's got to be true. Um, I, I don't know what team that had a more impressive performance except for maybe the Bengals this weekend. And um, you, you just have to think, you know, I, I, I try to avoid all those like team of destiny things, but all those right. things you brought up, I mean, Boston Scott too. Can we talk about that guy? He has 15 <sighs> postseason touchdowns and 10 of them have come against the Giants. It's insane. This has got to be a really just in a way annoying final four for the rest of the league's fans because all these teams have been involved in Super Bowls recently. It's like can we get it's, somewhere? it's 75% of the last final four, Pete. Like the only yeah. difference is the Eagles in over the Rams. And the Eagles recently were able to win a Super Bowl. I mean, it's been a few years now, but they they tasted it. So it's like, man, can we get someone else in this mix? And it won't happen at least till next year. So um do we have any big takeaways on the Giants besides the punt was stupid? Um they were like this was kind of a like where was Saquon? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying Jeremy, like, oh, they suck. Like, let them walk now, whatever. But like, it's it's just so strange how how some teams can be so good that that you know the duo of, of Saquon and Jones that looked unstoppable a week ago was just completely and totally neutralized. Yeah, but again, it, to me, it, it's all about context. And and when you're going against the Vikings, Saquon Barkley can pop off. If you're going against an Eagles defensive front that's really really good, it's going to be a lot harder. Um, I, I I truly believe in the you know trenches is, is really where the, the running game is won and lost. And so uh, 
you, you can put the ball in his man in the man's hands, but if you, if there's nowhere for him to run, I don't, I don't know what you expect of him. I think when we were talking to Ed last week, I'll keep this brief, RJ. I think we were talking to Ed last week. I mean, he was so sure, and I didn't blame him for this, that you got to bring back Jones, you got to bring back Barkley. But this performance was so bad that I think it creaks that door open a little bit again. And so we'll we'll see what what the Giants end up doing here. I I just I think it was such an exclamation point against the Vikings, and this was one of the louder question marks that you could have had following that up. And so now I just, I wonder where the giants go. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called the future of work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, the future of work questions, including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G pod, wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I really don't want to do this, um, but we have to talk about the Dallas Cowboys um, and the yeah. fact that they lost again in the divisional round of the playoffs. Um, I'll go last. Um, Jeremy, you can go first. The Cowboys losing 12 to 19 to the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I hate I hate to make it all about Dak, but it, it feels like this is a, a game where we have to talk about him seriously for uh, for a while here because the first interception he threw was just completely, awful. completely awful. Um, and, uh, the second one wasn't much better when, when they're at the end of the game, the first throw, I think he made in the two minute drill was a a throw that should have been pick sixth and and ended it. Um, you want to talk about quarterbacks that haven't been able to prove themselves capable in the moment. Dak Prescott is that guy. And now he's going to cost you 30 more million in cap space in 2023. So this felt like maybe a window that the the Cowboys had to really compete. And I don't know if it's still going to be open as soon as next year. Yeah, this was a defensive game to to close the weekend. And I just feel like when you're coming off of the the super wild card round and Dak looks as, as good as, as he does and you you get into a situation and you're like, well, we're playing the Niners. I, I know that the Niners defense has been otherworldly, but I mean, you take 19 points, right? Like if you're Dallas, you're like, we can score more than 19 against San Francisco. We have Dak Prescott playing playing good ball. And it was kind of, Back to that questionable deck, like we just talked about with, with Daniel Jones, where it's like, oh, man, you're feeling really good. And man, a, a week and a, and a game sometimes changes that narrative. And I, I think we're uh, in store for for a lot of those those Dak questions again, which I, RJ, I imagine is going to be really, really annoying to have to, to deal with in <laughs> Dallas. That's the, the theme of the day, uh, if it is an obvious annoyance. Yeah. Um, so um, I maintain that Dak is a. I don't know, top 10 quarterback, right? Put it, put him wherever you want. Put him at 10, right? Um, he has at times been an elite quarterback, right? Um, but the reality of these moments are that they they matter the most, right? Like you can say that's fair or not. A lot of people in my mentions like it is fair and fine. Maybe it is fair. Like this is this is the game. This is what you signed up for. That's why you're paid, whatever. Th- these are the ones that, that people remember the most. And so there's nowhere to run for Dak, right? Like we, we can cite, you know, EPA per play and things like that, you know, Fair, true, objective data points, you know, from throughout the regular season. But, dude, at this point, like, you know, there's a lot of data to suggest you can't get over this hump. Back-to-back years, you can't out-duel Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Brock Purdy. And I know it's not about that, but um, it, it's a tough look. And you guys mentioned the interceptions. The first one, I still haven't decided how exactly I feel about that. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm at a point where it's like 98% minimum on deck. Like, I, I still, you know, kind of need to digest that one. But the second one was was so crippling. Um, and I think, you know, people will look at the last play of the game, which was just, I mean, why? Like, like, like you, you know, you can't even spare us enough to, to have a peaceful end to all this. But, um, but the game was, was truly lost in my mind at the end of the first half. And, and I really thought the Cowboys that I thought they were going to steal the game right there. I mean, they had that fourth down that was, you know, kind of short and there was the Brett Maher situation, which everybody was obviously touch and go on. And I, I tweeted, I would have kicked that field goal. 
Um, and so they decide to go for it on fourth down. Dak picks it up, and you're thinking, like, holy crap, they are actually going to do it. They're going to get to the conference championship. They're going to Philly next week um, just to throw an interception. And then I don't even blame the Cowboys defense. I thought the Cowboys defense, you know, maybe didn't pitch a perfect game, but but did everything they could to yes. slow down one of the yes. hottest offenses in the NFL. And so that that was if you believe the Cowboys were going to score a field goal, at least there, that was a six point swing. If you think they were going to score a touchdown, there was a 10 point swing in a game. They lost by seven. Um, and yeah, there were other moments they lost the game, but um, I, I can't sit here. Yeah. Trayvon Diggs dropped the interception, whatever. I can't put the blame more on anybody else than, than on Dak Prescott. I mean, there again, that, that, that phrase rings true in my mind, Jeremy, there is nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. And, and whether or not Dak is a good or elite or whatever quarterback, this is the the face of it all now is that you cannot do this and and that kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy at some point. There I mean there also felt like there was a turning point in this game in the 49ers second half touchdown drive, right? Um because at that point it still felt like the Cowboys were very much in control of that game before that drive. The and Kittle then, you know, tip. That that was yes. the kind of straw I felt like. Yeah. Sure. And, and then there was also and and I don't want to make this about the refs but they they the, they got into third and nine, I think, down in the red zone. And then there was back-to-back -back defensive right. holding calls that, that extended the drive. Um, you know, if that's a field goal game, I think I think maybe the entire game plays out entirely differently. Um, but, I, I mean, that's why it feels like the, the Cowboys just kind of missed out on a big opportunity here because – for a lot of that game, they felt like the better team. They they really and they looked like the better team. They were they were controlling the 49ers on on defense and they were they weren't finishing drives, but they were getting down in there. And it was the interception to end the first half and and then you know finishing with a couple field goals in, in, in second half. Um, but that to me, it, it just felt like this was a this was a really good Cowboys team um that that probably could have beaten the 49ers on the road if you play that game, you know, 15 times. They probably win it seven or eight times, you know, right down the middle. Um but now, now I don't know. Looking towards the future, it, it it looks a little rough for them. And and given that a lot of the the narrative is going to surround Dak Prescott, I can't imagine it's going to be a very fun off season for them. I think it was anxious for the Cowboys the whole time. I mean, you had uh, three games this weekend, and this this was the one to close where there was a, a lot of scoring. Where this was just like pure sludge, like muddy oh, old, dude, old was... game. It was like <laughs> you knew that offenses couldn't do anything. And to to Jeremy's point, that touchdown at the the beginning of the fourth quarter, like. It had the feel of a game because the defenses were so sharp that if someone could break through for a touchdown, it was going to be really difficult for the other team to to get back in. And and that's kind of exactly how it played out. And I mean, I, I don't know how you felt. I, I know what was it, 45 seconds with with no timeouts. I felt hopeless. Like sometimes I'll say, oh, non zero percent chance they're going to score. I'm like, there is a zero percent chance Stack is going to get this done. Like there's no way. And, you know, that would that and, ended up being the case. Not to interrupt you, Pete, but like. I mean, and, and again, like people will pick these moments and make it seem like that's the overall, but Dalton Schultz not fighting to get out of bounds. Like you got to know that rule, dude. Like, I mean, and then Dalton Stepping Schultz lazily, yeah, lazily not completing yes. the catch. Like, again, it's just, it, it, those are, those are the little things and those are the things that hold them back that, that, you know, and, and the weird part is, and we're going to do a lot about this stuff at blog on the boys, but like, um, I I'm paraphrasing or kind of like generalizing here but over the last like 20 years the Cowboys have the sixth most wins in the regular season they're like the only team in the top seven or whatever that hasn't won the Super Bowl they're like the only team in the top 10 that hasn't even appeared in an NFC championship game like it's very difficult to be this like good in the way they are without having the accidental like greatness of at least appearing in a conference championship game Jeremy I, I don't know if you saw my tweet a little while before we started um, the last three playoff wins for the Cowboys, which dates back to, sorry, against your Lions, um, the quarterbacks in those games were Matthew Stafford, all right, that was obviously in 2014, Russell yep. Wilson in 2018, and Tom Brady on Monday night. Those are the last three quarterbacks they beat in the playoffs. The last three they lost to, Jeremy, were Jared Goff, now current Lions quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Brock Purdy. Like, think, like, if you knew nothing else, if I just told you that information, you would think they would have won the Super Bowl at some point. Yeah, and and they haven't had bad defenses throughout that entire time either. That's what makes it so puzzling. And yeah, again, it just feels like a very much a lost opportunity of a of a season for the Cowboys. Which I mean, like you said, it's 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 kind of become their mo. They've been to they've what had twelve playoff appearances in a row now without a conference championship appearance, which is a, yeah, I and they're zero and the seven. Oh, and seven in their last seven divisional playoff games, obviously. Uh, meanwhile, the Chiefs are going to host their fifth straight. I mean, just how the other half lives. Uh, Pete, speaking of the other half, though, the, the Niners um, are back. Yeah. And I I don't I hesitate to call them the most dangerous team in the NFL. But holy crap, like they can they, they will. They're the kings of finding a way like that. They, they are 
so good. Kyle Shanahan remains underrated and undervalued. I mean, they are such an incredible operation. Yeah, I'm looking at this. Uh, you know, the NFL will send out notes, and I, I thought this was interesting. The the next gen stat of the game, the 49ers turned to zone coverage almost exclusively on Sunday, relying it on 94.7 percent of coverage snaps and recording two interceptions in zone coverage. The two picks pushed their total to 21 in zone coverage this season, including the playoffs, and that's that's the most in the league. And what that signifies to me is identifying a weakness in the Cowboys offense. And, you know, I, I think there were questions because of how good the Cowboys defense looked last week. Could Brock Purdy get it done at some point, right? It's going to be midnight and he's going to turn into a pumpkin, right? And look, this wasn't this wild performance where he looked particularly great, but I, at the same time, I think the 49ers just like have this coaching staff that realizes it's not going to be easy to get this done with the rookie QB. So we got to rely on a good defensive plan. We got to keep the scores low. And, you know, at some point we got to really rely on getting the ball into our skill guides in space. You know, you had Elijah Mitchell that was a factor in the same Christian McCaffrey. If you you look at the receiving, you're, you know, you're going back to George Kittle five for for 95 and look. 19 points wasn't pretty, right? Or pretty. <laughs> I, I walked myself into that yeah. one. But look, it, it was enough, right? It was it was enough. And I, I think that's just been the 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 theme of the Cowboys into their or I'm sorry, the 49ers into their season. It's just been look, it, it'd be great if we had Trey Lance. It'd be great if we had Jimmy G, but we have what we have, and we're not gonna use that as an excuse. We're gonna still and go, you know, beat the beat the beat the P out of uh this Dallas team uh with with Dak Prescott, who you would have thought would would have been able to win a quarterback duel like this. I, I think they're they just they're so emblematic of a complementary football team. You know, it's 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 a coachism, but it's absolutely what the the Forty Niners do. They they can run the ball, they can pass the ball, they can stop yeah. the run, they can stop the pass. And and if one of those falters, or if you lose a quarterback, the 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 rest of the three can step up and 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 make this a good football team and and compete. And and they can change strategies on a week to week basis because they are so de- deep at at basically every position. So. Um, the, yeah, those are the most dangerous teams in the playoffs that, that, that can beat you so many different ways. Um, and and I think I think I think the Eagles are very much that team next uh, for, for the next week matchup, too. So um, it should be a fascinating matchup. That That's the one I maybe of, of all the games in the playoffs. That's the one I'm looking forward to the most. We all agree that Micah Parsons is among the best defensive players, maybe the best defensive player in the NFL. And the 49ers have beaten his defense, generally speaking, in back to back playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy, a quarterback. Like, I I, w- I don't have the energy to look it up anytime soon, but <laughs> I, I, I can't think off the top of my head of any situation where a team beat another team in consecutive playoff years with different quarterbacks under center, which is what the Niners have done, right? Like, we, we all acknowledge the Cowboys have had an amazing defense for the last two years, and the Niners have beaten them in the playoffs, both at home and on the road, um, with with two, you know, I don't want to say inferior quarterbacks, but, you know, we all kind of understand what the situation is here. Um, just just a huge, huge, huge bummer. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. But, all right, let's get to the Chiefs, the stupid Chiefs, who all they do is win. It's dumb and stupid. Um, Jeremy, the Chiefs are going to host the AFC Championship game for the fifth year in a row. Um, they had a little bit of a scare. We're going to get an update from Pete on the Patrick Mahomes situation. Were you ever scared? Were you ever worried? I mean, this game finished 27 to 20, but did you ever feel like it was, you know, out of, out of control for the chiefs against the Jaguars? Not really. I mean, when, when I saw Chad Henney step on the field, the answer is yes. Um, and then that's coming <laughs> from a Michigan grad myself. So, uh, uh, yeah, 37 year old Chad Henney on the field should, should have scared the chiefs, but the man drove 98 yards for a touchdown. And, and that, that that's all. That was the difference in the game, technically. Um, but no, it, it did feel again like the Chiefs were were cl- the clear better team. And and credit to the Jaguars for sticking in this one as long as they they possibly could. Um, but the Chiefs are just they're they're a different beast, and they're starting to look good. I think their defensive performance in this game was probably most impressive of anything else because that's always been the question with this team, right? Is we know they have Patrick Mahomes, we know that they're constantly going to be number one in whatever offensive stat you want to throw out there. Um, but can they defensively get the stops when they needed to? And, and listen, this was a really good Jaguars team that, that, that can score in a, in a hurry sometimes. And listen, there were, there were a couple turnovers late in the game that maybe the Jaguars, um, you know, if they clean that up, maybe this is a closer game, maybe even the Jaguars pull off the upset, but at the same time, it felt like if, if the Jaguars would have gotten one last counter punch in there, that, that the chiefs would have delivered one final blow. Yeah, this is a, a Jacksonville J- Jaguars team that is not going anywhere. I mean, I, I just think they're they're going to be the kings of the AFC South for a while now. Trevor Lawrence, to me, is, is the real deal. Doug Peterson, who 
he came from Kansas City, won in, in Philly, is building something down there. And I think they're going to be an annoying team in the AFC for these quote-unquote contenders for a long time. They almost you know, won this game. Now, I, I think a lot of that had to do with, well, Patrick Mahomes in the first quarter was cooking. I think he had 84 yards and was jump passing and doing his sidearm. And then all of a sudden, he has his ankle landed on and you were collectively, I mean, you had 7,000 people at Arrowhead holding their breath because the, the thing was Mahomes, you know, he's a, he's a player that to me is never going to leave that type of game, but then he was trying to walk and it, it didn't really look like he could walk. And I'm like, well, if he can't walk, he's going to have to come out. And he did, did come out. I think the key to this game, you know, as good as the Chiefs played all around, and I, I agree with Jeremy, was Chad Henney coming in on the two-yard line and putting together a 98-yard drive for a touchdown cold. This guy did not play any spot starts. I mean, he came in for a couple snaps against the 49ers, a couple snaps against the, the Raiders in, in Week 18. He has not had first-team reps all year. Mahomes has been pretty healthy this entire year. Uh, there have been moments where he might come in, but he, but he didn't. To come off cold and to hit Travis Kelsey with a, a strike and to have a, a game plan too, where you, you know, on that moment they relied on, they switched their offense a little bit to rely on the running back a little bit more and also use quick outs where any could just almost think and dunk, you know, five yards. And then he hits Travis Kelsey down the field for a touchdown. Such a, a key part uh, of the game because it was 10, seven. It was one of those feelings that arrowhead where you're like, is this going to be another team that pulls off a stunning upset that that happened last year? I mean, now we know the Bengals are, are legit, but we, didn't know that necessarily last year and Henny got it to 17 seven. And then eventually this was, it ended up being a, a seven point game. So that was the key sequence, but I, I agree. I mean, this has, has been a chief's defense that's been young and I think it's figuring out its identity right at the, the exact time you want it. And just like in, in the NFC uh, uh, with those two teams who are clearly the best teams in the NFC, uh, I feel like these are the two best teams in the AFC. And I, I think you have two coin flips next Sunday, which is really scary if you're a fan of any of these teams, but uh, should be a, a good Sunday worth of football. And I, you know, I, I could easily see any combination of all four of these teams reaching the Super Bowl. Jeremy, if you look at the non-quarterbacks associated with the final four, there are obviously a lot of talented players, but it feels like each one has like a, a dude who's going to make like an X factor sort of play. Um, there's a lot of low hanging fruit on the Bengals right now. I kind of feel like Trey Hendrickson's that guy. Like I kind of really trust Trey Hendrickson to have like a big moment for the Bengals at some point. Um, AJ Brown's sort of that dude for the Eagles. Um, you obviously look at the, I thought Fred Warner was amazing on, on side on Sunday for the 49ers. Again, they have a lot of players to choose from, but Travis Kelsey is that dude uh, for the chiefs. What was it? Pete 14 catches. I mean, like it is so unfair, Jeremy, that like they can lose Tyree kill and it, and, and it can only like make Travis Kelsey stronger. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. Isaiah Pacheco too, like he had a crazy right. game too. Um, but yeah, Travis Kelsey just I, I don't understand how he does it. Nothing about what he does on the field looks miraculous. But I guess that's kind of the tight end position, right? It's it's just like sloppy, gritty play, and he's just the king of it. He, he's always open, even when he's not open, and he's always going to break that first tackle and and get that extra yard or two that turns into a first down that turns into a touchdown. And I mean. He's he's definitely if he's not already in it, like he's he he's in greatest of all time territory. He really is. Yeah, and I I don't think he's slowing down. I mean, it, that's what what's been the most amazing thing. He's thirty three, but if there's one position as far as skill guys go that that can really have production as you get a little bit older, it's these big old tight ends that have that old man strength when they become thirty three and thirty four. Travis Kelsey does want to stop. I mean, I know we look at his yardage and and we say. Like, there's no possible way he reaches Tony G, but I don't know if that's true. Like, I just, I mean, he is, he's fascinating to watch. I've had conversations with him before, and he has said, told, told me, I never want to stop playing. And so if he does go another six years, let's say until he's about 38, 39, yeah, I'm not, I, don't, I don't expect these 1,200-yard seasons, but that might be enough to get him to be the most productive tight end of, of all time. I know that a lot of people are going to hold on to the, you know, you got to block too. And look, he's not as good of a blocker as a Rob Gronkowski or George Kittle. But as far as the best weapon at tight end ever, I mean, I, I think he's already in that territory. And I think as these years go on, I don't, I don't think he wants to stop. And I, I think he'll work with Kansas City on staying there for a little bit less money that he might make on an open market, even at the age of 33, 34. And so, We'll see what happens in the career of Travis Kelsey, but you're right. It, it's a it's a guy that everybody knows the Chiefs want to utilize. It's a guy that they want to throw to, and regardless of that, regardless of any plan or extra attention, 
he produces two touchdowns, you know, the 14 catches, which sets, sets a single game postseason record for a tight end uh, and the 98 yards. Pete, what's the um, the latest on the homes in the high ankle sprain? Yeah, there was an, an, an MRI. It was thought to be pretty quickly that it w- there was no break, which is the good news, because had there been a fracture, it would have been Henny time, baby, against the Bengals. And I don't <laughs> know if that would have been all that that fun to watch. But uh, what I, I see is is. Mahomes and, and having a high ankle sprain, he's actually played through something like this before. If you remember their Super Bowl season in 2019, he got it at high ankle sprain in week one. You know, he wasn't the same quarterback that entire year, and he really didn't feel like he healed his ankle until he had to miss two games for another reason. You know, you're getting deep into like chief storylines, but he had the dislocated kneecap, and that actually right that was like, to, was he, that a Thursday game that he he yes. suffered that against the Broncos? He, yeah, okay. He had to miss two games which equates to three weeks and that's when his eye ankle sprain finally felt better so what i would tell you is you're going to get mahomes and he's going to play through this high ankle sprain and they're going to shoot it up or whatever they have to do wrap it up do you know do the spat uh he's not going to be 100 percent um i mean that's just reality i'm not trying to pre-make an, a, an excuse for the chiefs i i think you're probably going to get between like a 70 and 80 ish percent patrick mahomes um the good news for the Chiefs is is a seventy to eighty percent uh, worth of Patrick Mahomes is probably better than most quarterbacks in the NFL. The problem is you're going to be playing somebody probably not <laughs> at that. He doesn't fall under that category. One hundred percent Joe Burrow is certainly going to be a quarterback advantage over what would be an eighty percent of, of Mahomes. Um, and so you, you you know it's going to have to be a little bit more complete. Patrick Mahomes, I, I think, is going to have to limit his scrambling which he likes to do, especially when the protection is bad and the coverage is, is sometimes good downfield and these guys are not getting open. So it changes the game a little bit for the Chiefs, but if, if there's anyone I think who can figure this out on the fly, it's Andy Reid. And I, I think that Chad Henney drive showed you a little bit of what they may do. And and Jeremy said this with Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco's really emerged as, as a guy where I, I think he's ready for this moment now and you could create a little bit more of a balanced offense than pass heavy just given the fact that Mahomes is not going to be the the exact same player he is in the AFC title game here it's Monday so we all reserve the right to change but uh preliminary picks for championship Sunday Jeremy you're first I got, I got to go with the two teams that look the most impressive this weekend. I got to go with the, the, the Bengals especially with the, the Mahomes injury as, as it is and then I, I got to go with the Eagles um I think I think those are maybe the the two most well-rounded teams that that's really become kind of the 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 identity of these teams that that make deep runs. It's not just about having a good offense, it's about having a good defense, it's about having good run games and and I I just think these two teams can beat the other teams in in so many different ways and 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 like you both have said I I do kind of view both these games as, as coin flips, but if I had to go with the teams that, that are the hottest right now that that maybe the injuries favor I'm going with with the Bengals and their beat up offensive line. We'll see if that holds. And 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 just an Eagles team that looks like they're 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 going to roll through everybody that they they face. Peter, you're picking the Chiefs and who else? Yeah, the Bengals are are feeling themselves a little too much right now. I, oh uh, my! <laughs> they were humble last year. That 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 humility is is gone. Uh, yeah, I'll I'm going to go with Kansas City. The Bengals have beat the Chiefs three times in a row. Eventually, I think it's got to go the other way. They're just two two really good. Teams. If you want to talk about eventually going the other way, I'm here to tell you that might not be the case. So, <laughs> you get the home game, surprise home game. I think a lot of people were thinking they were going to have to travel to Atlanta, and so you know, hopefully that for for Kansas City and that provides the the Chiefs a little bit of an advantage. I can't pick against the Chiefs. I'll go with the Chiefs, and I will lean into the Andy Reid. Kelsey New Heights Bowl of the Chiefs and the Eagles meeting up. It's a if I'm right there, it's a shame that this didn't happen. What was, you know, a few years ago when I, I think there was a little bit more juice to the Andy Reid Eagles thing. He's kind of really established himself as as the the man in red with the, the big red mustache at this point. But uh, I think this would be a, a fun, a fun matchup. The two of the what were the top MVP candidates the, the whole year going at each other. I, I keep saying it. And I said something has to give with the, the Chiefs losing to the Bengals all these times. Man, I. At some point, Brock Purdy's got to lose, right? Like he's not going to win the Super Bowl as Mister Irrelevant. I, it's hard for me to pick the 49ers in that sense, but I keep saying the same thing every week. That's why I picked the Cowboys last week, and RJ, as you know, that didn't go go my way. Anyway, long story short, Chiefs and, and Eagles. 
Um, I think that's the match that the NFL wants, right? Like the Andy Reid ball, the New Heights ball, right? Like I think you get the MVP versus like the player who would have won the MVP if not for the injury. Like the story, there's, I mean, we could find a lot of storylines for any of the combinations here. Um, this has been a weird NFL season, like kind of a left-footed one, at least, you know, as, as far as what we're used to. Um, so I could see the Bengals and Niners both being like, oops, sorry, like you, you wanted <laughs> Chiefs and Eagles? Like uh, we're here and we're going to throw it back to the 80s. Um, I, I think we get the like, if, if Brock Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant, and I understand why, if, if there is a Mr. Relevant, it is Joe Burrow. Like, J- Joe Burrow is the most relevant, most cool, most calm, most collected. Like, he is – if I trust one single thing in the entire, like, Final Four, it is Joe Burrow finding a way. Um, sorry, Pete. But uh, – and I think that, like – I, I could see like a Joe Burrow win, like inviting the like, is he really the king? Because he's now been to two Super Bowls. Patrick Mahomes has been to two Super Bowls. He's 4-0 against him, 2-0 in conference title games. Both those wins in Kansas City, like there has to be a foil. But at the very least, I'm happy that Burrow has finally lived up to give Mahomes a proper adversary um, in the way that Josh Allen obviously has not been able it, to. It's been a it's been a while now. And, and look, you know, it's annoying. I get it. But Patrick Mahomes has been the face of the NFL. That fake title or whatever is on the line on Sunday. I I'm willing to admit that if Joe Burrow beats him again, this will be the fourth time, second time in a big spot, especially the way it happened last year. Now, it's the I, biggest spot possible for them. to be. It's, so it's like, it's not the biggest in the world, but it is the biggest possible spot. They could meet in against one. another. I, I think in, you know, and you go to the Mahomes side, you know, like I know quarterbacks don't play each other. And that's always something that, that we need to be reminded about quarterback wins aren't stats, but, I mean, that the fa- that idea of the face of the NFL is certainly on the line in this game. I, I mean, it really is. It really is. I think Mahomes could lean back into that if the Chiefs were able to win. And I like you were saying, I, I agree. I think Burrow becomes that guy if the Bengals are able to go to back-to-back title game or Super Bowls. I just like if they're like, I know I've said if this a lot, but if there are two teams I would not bet against, like the Bengals, like we don't care where we have to go. We don't care. We got, you know, we, we didn't get a chance to host these playoff games. Yeah. Like they're they're the ultimate like parking lot team. And in a different way, that's, that's who the Niners are. We don't care who the quarterback is. We don't care what's going on. Like they are the, the, you know, sludge teams like like more than anybody else. Um, I really wanted to see Bengals Niners last year and we obviously didn't get it. Uh, so I hope that that is the case this time. Rachel, could you please grace us with your presence and let us know three things. Number one, your biggest takeaways from the weekend uh, worth of action Two, your picks for conference championship Sunday. And of course, your pick for the MF Dumble MVP. Jeremy, um, of course, we do have a Monday football Monday MVP around here. Rachel is the uh, the empress. I'm not if empress is a word, but she gets to decide who wins. <laughs> OK, so my picks for next weekend, I'm going to go Eagles Chiefs. I think that's what I want to see most. My biggest takeaway, um, RJ, you kind of touched on this a little bit, how you saw with both the Eagles and with the 49ers, even though they had dominant wins, you didn't see like stellar performances from all of their impact players. So you already kind of touched on how we didn't see too much from like AJ Brown. He only had three receptions for 22 yards and also running back Christian McCaffrey. He didn't have like his best performance in weeks. Debo either. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because I saw like the wide receivers, Debo, uh, Brandon Ayuk, and Jennings, they only combined for eight receptions on 13 targets for 97 yards. So, worse, of course, Rachel, like, thank So that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, the defense played well, but um, that was interesting to see. So it's going to be even more exciting next weekend because I feel like we're going to see them back to their complete mm. ways, both mm. Um, the big, the best takes that I had heard today, Pete, I loved your vote take on yeah. Josh Allen. And how- no one wants to say it. I'll say it. <laughs> that was good. Nobody we all said it. it. What do you I'll mean? No one. Once we all we spent ten minutes it first. Yeah. Pete started it. Yeah. He just threw it out there, and both of you guys were like, mm. "Whoa, whoa!" Yeah. So that was great. I love the wow. conversation starter, Jeremy. I loved how you talked about separation and how like that was like the word to describe this past weekend. So that was a really good point for you. And um, RJ, you had a similar point that I did. But today, I'm gonna give it to Pete. Whoa. I think he did. Wow, everything's <laughs> coming up, Pete. I was not <laughs> expecting that because Rachel. You know, we love we love us some some yes. Rachelle, but she she's a nice look gal. at this. Li- look, remember this, remember this, Rachelle. He's about like, to insult you. Go ahead. She likes to spread the love around, and uh, I I think sometimes we we go ooh. with the new faces that are here. And I I messaged RJ. I said it's going to be Jeremy, one hundred percent. So this is a pleasant surprise, and I, I will take it. And what a start to my Monday! I feel like an underdog that was able to pull it out. And uh, again, you know, thank thank you to the parents. I always got to always got to thank for the parents for blessing me with the uh, with these hot takes here. 
she's just Jamie. She's do you feel like the, this was fair? She's dangling the carrot for me so, so that I come back next <laughs> week a little, little bit more prepared, a little bit more. Yeah, I got it. I, I'll, I'll bring a little more hot takes. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Rachel picked the person who had the same Super Bowl pick as her. Like, because Jeremy, you didn't pick Eagles Chiefs. You picked Eagles Bengals. I picked Bengals oh, Niners. Yeah. Rachel and Pete are simpatico. They went Eagles Chiefs. So, um, wow. Um, I got to say, Jeremy and I were both robbed. I think even John was robbed. I think Pete was the least deserving of anyone who's had a voice in this episode. So, um, not fair. Not fair. Um, wow. As we close, Jeremy, I would like you to tell the audience about the uh, video game I saw you twitch and dance along to, please, and everything that kind of happened. Um, <laughs> I would just like to hear that story because I'm curious about it, but it's a good way for sure. us to leave. Oh, yeah. Uh, at Pride of Detroit, we we partake in Movember, uh, where I grow out a mustache. Yeah. Uh, we raised, I believe, uh, about $27,000 this year. And one of the goals was if uh, if we hit a certain benchmark, I would play uh, the, the Just Dance video game with my nieces while they were over for, here for Christmas. So for about about an hour on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit, I was, uh, I was dancing uh, like a madman and almost had a heart attack. <laughs> it was... I, I didn't realize how much cardio that video game was, but uh, but yeah, no, it was it was a little fun little thing. So next next November, head over to Pride Detroit. We do a bunch of fun stuff for the month. I ha I have something to, to tell you guys. Um, it's kind of breaking news personally right now. I I have this right here. That you know what that this is jury duty for next Monday, and I tried to get out of it because of the obvious reasons. And I was just denied right here. So I don't even know if I'm going to be here next year or next week, even after what could potentially be a Chiefs AFC title victory. Uh, so uh, I'm happy to take the, the MF double MVP. Uh, and I think Jeremy is going to have to hold down the fort maybe next week. Jury <laughs> duty, I can't get at him so I don't get arrested. So thank you to Kansas Look City. For that, Rachel, the, you gave this to someone who's going to tuck and run. I hope you feel satisfied. <laughs> <Rachel. Yeah. laughs> All right. I cannot so. believe I'm going into jury. AFC title is not a good good enough excuse in, in Jackson County, Kansas City, everybody. So keep that in mind. Um. Wow. Um. Pete, send us home with whatever you want to say. The floor is yours. Okay, I, yeah, I, I guess I'll I'll stay on this this horse. I, I I think if you are at Arrowhead and you witness an AFC title and want to talk about it, you should be able to get out of jury duty. And so I, I don't know what laws need to change. I don't know. Okay, that, was, okay, that was that was Rachel. Let's leave, please. Let's just get out of here. It's stupid. Power to the Stop. people. Power to the people. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.